With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The intersection of information and conversation. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Weekends with me, Jason Olborn, here on TNT Radio. You know, sometimes events happen in your life and you just think, wow, how did that occur? I've heard people say that sometimes the greatest moments of our lives, we don't realise them when they happen. And how is it that we can live on with the mundane and the drudgery of day-to-day life and wonder if it's ever possible that we can change the way that our life has always been or where it's going? It's one of those stories that the only way that you ever seem to be able to get out of a rut is by your own effort. Yep, there are many support services that we can use, such as your doctor or your psychologist, life coach, counsellor. You can go to your rabbi, you can go to your priest, your father, your mufti, whoever it is to give you some sort of advice, your big brother, your little brother, anyone out there to help you along. But the only person that can change the way that you do anything is yourself. But it doesn't mean that there isn't such thing as a self-help guide. And I was introduced to a book just last week called The Optimist. And it sounds like, yep, that's something that not all of us are. Some of us can be optimistic and some can be pessimistic and things like depression and anxiety can get in the way and hold us down. But how is it that you can pick up a book and then you look through it and you flick through it and then you start reading and then you can't stop reading and you can't put the book down? Well, that's what happened to me. And this book uh, called The Optimist, written by Ulf Sandstrom, and also in the company of my next guest, Dr. Josiah Baker, was a life-changing event. I sent Josiah an email last night, and I said, this book is better than Wayne Dyer's Your Erroneous Zones. Wayne Dyer told the story about how he first published the book. He was delighted. And he found out that the publishing run was 5,000 copies. And the end of it, that was the end of it from the interest from the publisher. And he thought, hang on a second, this is meant to change my life. So what he did was he went and bought up all the books and he went around to radio stations in the local area, he knocked on the doors and he said, I'd like to be interviewed about my book if you're interested in having me on your show. And what he would do is he'd go and do a, uh, a sale or return with local bookstores in the area. And then he would do a radio interview in that space, go back to the bookstores the next day and all the books were sold. How about that? And he kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And would you believe it? That book then caught, well, caught a virus, as they say, in the modern era. And it then went on to sell 35 million copies. And as I said to Josiah, this book is every bit as good. And I hope perhaps that today is interview one in a journey for the author and the co-author of the book. The Optimist. Well, let me tell you a bit more about Josiah Baker. He's an assistant professor of financial economics at Methodist University and an adjunct associate professor of economics and geography at George Mason. He's the author of several books on economics, politics, and religion. And so all of the topics you are not supposed to talk about. A couple of years back, Josiah teamed up with Alf Sandstrom and together turned the tables on the problems of the day and focused on the solutions. Into the eternal quest for steps that lead to happiness comes the late Swedish author, uh, of Sandstrom, who, with the help of translator, why did I say late? Dr. Josiah Baker brings the secrets of his best-selling books. You become what you think and you become what you dream to the English-speaking masses in a motivational book. Josiah Baker, welcome to TNT Radio. 
Thank you very much, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. Just uh, an incredible um, book that, as I said before, uh, how it opened. I just want to get the the idea this this relationship that comes about, um, uh, and and how you get involved with it because you've written plenty of your own books: politics, religion, mm -hmm. finance, economics, uh, and then all of a yeah. sudden this lands on your lap. How does it come about? Well, the, the story came about by how I happened to meet Alf Sandstrom which was actually through his son. His son was one of my students. And uh, we were originally supposed to just meet up and talk about Scandinavia. I had uh, my dissertation for my doctorate was on the construction of the Swedish welfare state. And so um, I, uh, prior to that, I had a lot of interests in, in Scandinavia because I had lived in Norway part of the time when I was growing up. And so, what was supposed to be an hour long discussion ended up about it to be a 10 hour long discussion. And during that time, I learned from uh, Ulf how uh, he was a best selling author in Sweden and Norway with his with his famous book called You Become What You Think. And so Ulf really believed in the power of positive thinking and the, the power of the individual to overcome and to when when life throws obstacles at you that you can you can find it within you to make the best of it and to overcome those things and uh it was a tremendous interesting uh beginning and uh, we ended up writing several books together this book the optimist is the culmination of of all the work that we did together and uh Ulf and i uh worked on different projects for uh, uh, close to 18 years. And, and, um, and it was, uh, this book here really represents the best of all he, of all he had to say involving the idea of, of, uh, you know, self-improvement, self-help. His method has worked for many, many people, especially younger people, because in Sweden, his books were sold, uh, throughout middle schools and high schools for over 20 years. Uh, remarkable, isn't it? That um, that you can find again. It's almost like the story itself, and we'll get into that in some detail. But but Alf clearly lives lived this um, uh, this for himself. That um, again, that you find something that inspires you, that ignites you, and then you work out ways to make it happen whilst shedding the negativity that uh, tends to, to to push all of us down along the way. It's very easy. It's, it's kind of perhaps why we say that it takes a certain amount of time to create a habit and a much smaller amount of time to break the habit. It seems that the negativity outweighs the positivity uh, in, in that particular uh, story. And that's what we'll get to into a, in, in a bit shortly. Um, if, if I can just talk a little bit more about the structure of the book, which itself is unique, and if people pick it up, they might be they might look at it and go, oh, no, this isn't for me, because it appears to be sort of like a, a workbook. It comes with instructions. It comes with uh, some workbook along the way. But when you get into it and you just let it wash over you, as many people like to say, and just get into it, start at page one and read through it and uh, and get to uh, the, the part in the middle, which for mine is the, um, it's, 
it's the story. It's the storytelling. So what happens is the middle part of the book is a novella. It's it's a it's a short novel about two characters, one called Carl and one called Woody, who happen to meet uh, sort of by chance, but not really. And it's how they influence each other's lives, told beautifully in this particular story, which is what is the life changer because. As you're reading the book, you just relate uh, over and over and over again to different scenarios and situations in your own life, realizing the ups and downs of each, and that even when it appears that someone has all the things that you want, their life isn't working out. How is it that you can make this better? So to come up with the idea of presenting this story that should be a, a, a probably 999 out of a thousand self-help books are all based on you know real non-fiction to go the other way and to create a fiction a fictional story within that is a masterstroke how did that come about uh, not not so easily in the sense that uh, Ulf had the, had a vision of of uh, the story as you mentioned it consists of these two characters there's two parts of the story. They go on these two big trips. One is a trip throughout the United States. The other is a trip around the world. And uh, much of this was initially based off of Ulf's own life experiences and that he was in the Swedish Navy. He also worked in the uh, cruise line that went all over the world. And so he saw a lot of places and he was a strong believer in experiential learning, experiential you know, life experiences, teaching one and how to reflect and how to grow and how to make the most out of out of out of seeing and doing things. And so uh, he had he had this idea of one guy having having it all but missing out on happiness. And that was Woody. And and he was the miserable billionaire. And he and then, of course, there was Carl and Carl had happiness, but he didn't have any money. So the two of them effectively meet and they they help each other. They help each other by going uh, during uh, these two journeys. Uh, the fictional story uh, he thought would be an entertaining way to communicate what he called the uh, four relationship values and the four individual values. And then you have what he called the eight magic words. And Ulf had spent many years of his life, oh, over 30 years of his life, studying uh, dozens, if not probably a hundred of, of classic books involving self-improvement, going back to Napoleon Hill and, and um and uh, others, and he. So a lot of a lot of those readings influenced him. But yeah, the fictional story. He wanted to make it entertaining, but he also wanted uh, wanted the reader to to it wanted to, it to help the reader to visualize these words and how they could put them in action to change their lives. He wanted people to be able to change their lives for the better and to know that you know never give up that you can have a chance to make things better. And it's just, you have to, he had a two-pronged approach towards looking at the world. There was the future and then there was the present. And the day today, every day is very, very, very important. So he did have this carpe diem uh, zest to him. At the same time, you want to make a path to the future. So 
he, he wasn't a great believer in looking at the past. He really was a very forward-thinking person. And uh, you know, don't let things bog you down. Don't let things get you down. You can do it. You just have to to make uh, make a path and and go for it. And what's wonderful about that is that that attitude applies to everyone. It's like uh, when your chips are down or something goes wrong, uh, most people believe in the firm idea of a second chance. So to be future thinking mm -hmm. is to apply that said second chance. So it doesn't matter if you've spent time behind bars for doing something that you've now been rehabilitated for or whether you've lost all your money in a bad business deal, a bad relationship, or you've been uh, robbed blind uh, on the internet. Who knows what those circumstances are, what uh, this whole story is about is the ability that with the right attitude and the right knowledge and the right skill set and by practicing um, uh, the what you're taught in the book you're able to rebuild or to build on what you've already got and um, if, if we go into the beginning we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes um, uh, there Josiah but um, when you start out and this is the part that might people might say oh look I've, I've heard all this before positivity uh, you know versus negativity uh, what I liked is that it comes straight out and says selfish is just not okay. Technically, it's required. You have to think about yourself. You have to put yourself first in these situations. We can't always go about the business of the drama triangle where you have rescuer, victim, persecutor, and it says don't be a rescuer. You've got to get your own life um, on track first before you can worry about anyone else. How can you be a person whose life is not working and try to save someone else? What are you saving them from and what are you bringing them to if you don't know what life is supposed to be? And I find that that is a really important situation because it takes the focus off, off, off the things that you're trying to avoid and, and you're going down the pathway of, okay, I've got to get my life in order. What do I really want? And all of this is about asking yourself what it is that you want, not what anyone else tells you you're meant to have or expectations of someone else, but just for you. So, you know, to think about what's important in your life, what makes you happy, personal goals, and those personal goals are limitless. You don't have to be held back or restrained or contained, none of that. And um, and you're creating the right state of mind. So once you can remove these shackles, it's almost as if you're giving yourself license to be technically some form of human, human superpower, but all you're really doing is just removing all the negativity that somehow permeates the system and holds us back by design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, he was, Another book that he wrote in Swedish was You Become What You Dream. Mm. And which is so, you know, having future thoughts, shaping your thoughts, not allowing society or anybody to put you in a corner. Don't allow yourself to be a victim of circumstance. You can overcome those things. And, and uh, the message of the book shows you how you can do it. And he, he was very successful. When, you, when I look back at his life, the things that he overcame uh, simply by applying these methods. Yeah, this is uh, wonderful, isn't it? That it's so simple, really, when you decide to uh, to take the first step in a self-help situation, be recommended or take the plunge to uh, to look at something specific and then get into the very nitty gritty of it. And that's what we're going to explore more after we take our first break is getting into the detail of it and some of the key words. And yes, I, I think, honestly, I could read this book to my audience, Josiah, and, uh, and they would say, okay, now I get what you're talking about. But 
I think at the same time, if I did that, people would rush out and purchase the book because they would realize that they're going to forget all of the beauty that they're going to see in it. And because it's also designed like almost like a workbook in parts, yeah. uh, then yeah. you realize that that's the beautiful thing that you're actually having your self-help teacher come along with you for the ride and you can consult back. And, and, and it's a process you probably want to read it once, twice, three times. It's that type of book. Well, if you love a good documentary, then you'll love our special screenings, Uninterrupted Cinema features some of the latest or notable documentaries from the world's best filmmakers. Check out TNT's website for more information. Weekends are better when you spend it with us on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. TNT's Pella Neuroth-Taylor. We, we need to look, do a lot of deconstruction of these phrases and, and really think about what it means because what does far right mean? I, I'd say that far right means anything that you don't like. And um, it's just a label, a bit like the, the Chinese under Mao, their state press used to call uh, anyone who was an ideological opponent, capitalist pig dogs, whatever. And it was just meant to evoke a response. And it was a signal from the rulers to the rule that this is what you should think without actually having to think. It's, it's, it's a, meant to evoke a sort of Pavlovian reaction that you're a, these are bad guys. And uh, a moderate, in, in, in our lingo, I mean, let's see, it's foreign coverage. The BBC will say the moderate blah, blah, blah party in the third world, meaning, well, they're guys we approve of, and then the extremist is someone we don't approve of. Helen Neuroth Taylor on today's News Talk TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Welcome back to Weekends and my guest this hour, Josiah Baker, and we're talking about a book that is designed to change your life called The Optimist. Josiah, I want to read a little bit uh, from the book uh, called The Key. It says, successfully making your dreams come true is achieved by creating the right state of mind. You must trust your innermost mind, which has the power to transform your dreams into reality. This is best done by developing positive mental habits that enable you and your efforts to succeed. Usually your first obstacle is how to handle your subconscious mind, the subtle and self-serving part of your brain which controls much of your decision-making and more importantly, your habits. For many people, their subconscious mind holds them back because it has accepted and learned negative thinking habits. Sometimes, of course, other people and life events can intrude and negatively influence or reinforce destructive thinking. These thoughts may arise in self-defense, but if they dominate your life as a crisis is over, they must be eliminated. Now, I was hoping that you could explain some of this in terms of the reality of today's world based on your work mm -hmm. as a professor in economics, looking through the lens yeah. of political decisions, such as the climate obsession, the rising cost of power, cost of living, high interest rates, high rents, and poorer quality goods and services that we seem to be achieving. Do you think that there's a, a, tenure, a, a link there between the two of the positive mind and the reality that most people are in and why they can't seem to get out of the rut? Well, if you're speaking about economics, we have the idea of self-incentive, the idea of positive reinforcement. People do better when there's a positive reinforcement mechanism rather than negative reinforcement mechanism. A positive reinforcement mechanism would be that 
Uh, you're rewarded for doing certain things and you reward yourself and and self-interest isn't necessarily being pure selfish. Uh, Plato said, wrote many years ago that uh, humans are social animals. And so all of us, almost all of us, but almost all of us are very, very much interested in helping others. We have others in our lives that we care about, family members, friends, uh, even the community. And so you can serve your own self-interest while improving those lives around you because you want to help others. Uh, and others others uh, often want to help you. We're a very unique species in that we are born helpless and dependent. A newborn baby, a toddler, human beings for the first several years, even older in their, into their lives are dependent on others. So we're not really meant to be completely independent. A lot of what we are and who we are is how we relate with others and how others see us. But part of getting other people to see the good in you is for you to, you know, see the good in yourself. And mm -hmm. so that goes back to, to forging a good in identity. And uh, a lot of economic problems have to do with people not understanding really what they want, not prioritizing their finances. I mean, as an economics professor, when I look at the data, see why uh, people go bankrupt, why financial problems happen. It's often not because they don't have income. It's because they're spending the income the wrong way, or they're spending it in ways that aren't in line with what they really want, with their values. And a book like this can help you align and better understand your values. And, you know, some of this does go into psychology with the, you know, the, there's the inner mind or the subconscious mind and using your subconscious mind to help you direct your conscious mind, uh, putting, uh, putting things in harmony internally so that you can uh, set up these goals and then go out and achieve them. And, and a lot of times, you know, going back to, again, to money and finances, Money problems are because people lose sight of what they really want, and they often will spend money in ways that they shouldn't because they 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 don't prioritize and they don't they don't make a good plan. So uh, you know, a good plan can minimize some of the impulse spending that I see problems with. Uh, in the United States, a lot of our debt is because people want immediate self-gratification. You have credit card debt that's spiraling. And, uh, you know, credit card debt happens because people want something now and they don't realize the total cost of it till it's too late. And we have, you know, Internet shopping available 24 hours a day. So people can just spend more than they, than they ever could before. Uh, another problem that we have is people not imagining where they want to be financially five, 10, 15 years down the road. And they're willing to give up a lot of future possibilities to satisfy present temptations. So yeah, a book like this can really help you. And that's why we designed it to have areas where you could write in personal notes. He wanted the book to be small, portable, so that you could take it with you on any trip, on an airplane, on a boat, and use it as kind of like an 
like a kind of a diary even. Uh, so you can refer to it and refer to it many, many times. And, and uh, self-reflection was a very important part of his method. No, indeed, because it seems that uh, self-reflection is where it be, where, where it's at. Because the moment that you understand what that means, and this is when people sort of discover what meditation is meant to be for the idea in, in meditation to uh, to sit still in a quiet place and uh, imagine that you're looking down upon yourself, and it's that uh, that that visualization that therefore that there's you looking at you from above, and 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 then that's a very physical manifestation of what that self-reflection is all about. But when you get to see yourself in a situation, it's the first time that you realise, hey, hang on a second, I can now become objective about situations that in otherwise I might have been subjective to. It's it's a fascinating scenario. There's there's a lot I want to uh, get into about the book. I want to get back to, to Carl and Woody for the moment. But um, just sure. quickly, um, here in Australia this week, we had a, a situation where uh, one of the lotteries, Powerball, had its highest ever price, $200 million, in fact, here in Australia, and it had been jackpotting for six weeks. And it finally went off and two people uh, shared in $100 million dollars each the, the reason i bring that up though um josiah is the uh is the fact that in the process of after you buy your ticket before you don't win is that magical little two or three day period window where you imagine that you have one and you spend the money in your mind and i find it fascinating to interview people about how they would spend their money or perhaps the yeah. first thing that they would buy and it's also it's, it's almost healthy in a way to go through a process of doing it to realize how superficial things might be or perhaps how much you really think and plan because where i'm going with this 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 point is that when we get into it next into the book again you realize that some people are just not ready to take this leap in their life they're comfortable in what they already know even if it's not what they want but it's the getting outside of the comfort zone that you can only get there when you want it and that's the whole point of what carl the poor happy man tells the billionaire who's miserable about the the, the wanting to change and, and and carl seems to be the first person to break through the the angry obnoxious woody who finally realizes he's onto something here. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, Woody's not a nice person. He, he's a miserable person, and he makes people around him miserable. And uh, Carl is a very happy person. And, you know, Woody takes notice of that and, and brings Carl into his world with the hope that Carl can help show him the way, so to speak. And uh, and Carl then discovers, of course, he has problems in his own life. And so the story is, you know, some problems are obvious, some problems are not so obvious. And people can help themselves, but people also can help each other. And uh, that's a very Scandinavian mindset that, you know, there's yourself and then there's your community. And so you have these uh, relationship values is what what Ulf called them, uh, one with family, one with friends, and with the community, and with God. And he breaks those down and explains them and, and the story with the places they go and how different places remind them of these relationship values. And a lot of times, yeah, people can get hung up and, and forget what's important. Uh, their lives can get out of balance. And the way to get back to the carpe diem attitude that he had, you know, every day was like a separate reality from the past. You get up, you have a whole new world in front of you, 
what can you do with this day? And I should also add that, and this is at the beginning of the book, he points this out. Uh, he really believed that we should feel lucky to just be alive. Yes. That, yeah, that we beat all these odds just to be here. Uh, statistically, perhaps we shouldn't have gotten to be here, but we're here and we should, we should really, really understand that, you know, each day is a gift and, uh, and to make the most of that day. And, and that's one of the, one of the themes of the book. And, and how can you do that? Well, the method shows you how you can do that. And, and he lived that way. Uh, I, like I said, I knew all for 18 years and 20 years prior to that, I knew a lot of his friends in Sweden and, and uh, he, he did practice this. And uh, the, the best way of going about it is, you know, even if you do, your day starts bad, you know, you have the rest of the day to turn it around, mm. you know, you know, don't let a bad interaction with one person sour the rest of the day, move on. If someone says something rude to you or they cut you off in traffic, you know, you've got a lot of other things to do that day. It's not important to uh, harbor that kind of resentment or anger and, and it will get in the way of trying to accomplish all these other things. Mm. And uh, so yeah, a lot of it is finding balance. A lot of it involves uh, prioritizing. And you know, one of the, the eight magic words is actually prioritize, for example. Uh, so uh, don't make a mountain out of a molehill recognize there are some things that are more important than others and go after them. Yes. Now, in the book, um, how the sort of the magic starts is that Carl down on his luck, sitting at home, watching hockey and basketball games, bro broken relationships, no money, not happy. And he's out there and he discovers a, a bald eagle flies towards him and drops a coin yeah. on the ground in front and he picks it up. And then he gets this kind of divine intervention and, 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 and he hears, yes. you have a choice. This is more pertinent than ever before. Your choice is simple, Carl. There are four relationship values, God, country, family, and friends. And there are four individual values, body, mind, work, and money. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, sets him off on a path that um, almost immediately in the book, um, he, he meets the love of his life. He turns things around. He gets into a job of serving people in a, in a cafe and everything becomes better to the point where he's uh, much loved, has many, many friends, loves his mm -hmm. life. And of course, this is where Woody comes onto the scene. But what's interesting here, and I might be jumping ahead where I want to go, but um, the idea again of, um, uh, of God, country, family, and friends, and the idea again that God came first in that. And I was thinking, about that um, scenario because people go through a situation, they're born into belief, they become atheists, they either stay there or they come back and discover again. And I kind of found that uh, generally what happens is that if you're born into a religious process and then you become an atheist, as did I, um, you kind of mm -hmm. think yourself out of it. You think yourself out of belief that you, you just think, well, I can't see it. It's not rational. No, nothing great seems to happen. I, I pray for things, etc. All, all of these reasons you think yourself out of it. But the only way to, uh, to, to, to discover or to believe in again is that you find it through love 
it, it seems that that's the only way. When you realize pure love, you go, well, where does that come from? And then you believe in something, perhaps a higher power, or that you come from one, that we all come from the same thing. And I think there's, there's kind of a breakthrough. And it's, it's, it's a huge discovery. But I kind of think that it's kind of thought versus love here, that they, they can work apart because this goes back into the subconscious, the idea that your subconscious doesn't know fact from reality. And here's where the book gets interesting because it explains how you can trick your subconscious by programming it with positive thoughts that can therefore work you out of the negativity that's been holding you back. It's like you have to jumpstart your own mindset, your own brain to get away from the things that external influences. And if you go within, that's where all the answers lie. And that's how you get this propulsion forward. You're absolutely right. And uh, he, the divine voice, the divine intervention, uh, he believed that things happen, can happen in people's life that can cause what we call in academia a paradigm shift. So, uh, which is akin to like a religious conversion or uh, a moment of uh, you know, epiphany or you, you, you suddenly see the light, suddenly things become very clear, suddenly, um, but you know, these kinds of fantastical events, they happen enough to where people can write about them and sometimes people do actually experience them. But this book shows you that you can obtain those kinds of results without necessarily having some kind of supernatural or paradigm shift experience. And uh, uh, Carl discovered these things. They came to him. He, he moved forward with these ideas and, uh, and he, he made them work. And then he, in the book, he then shows Woody how to make it work and really in a similar way that he helped himself. And so in, in real life, just to get back to the structure of the book, the book starts out with explaining the method. And then we get into the novella. And then after the novella, we go back to the method and, and, and explain it another way. And but it's the method itself it's that really that really works. Yeah, you can you can manipulate yourself, but it's kind of like manipulating your mind, manipulating your thoughts is a lot like manipulating your body. You know, you can choose to be physically out of shape or you can do things to make yourself more physically in shape. So, you know, push ups, lifting weights, walking, running. He talks about this in the book under the body section. Uh, because Woody's in bad physical shape, for example, when they first meet. And so you can reshape your mind, your thoughts, in a similar way you can reshape your body. So I don't think there's anything. Some people can say, well, uh, you know, this, this is uh, just a form of ma manipulation. Well, I think it's just as real as manipulating your physical body and getting yourself into shape. So you can... Uh, and just like getting yourself into physical shape requires some kind of daily routine, there is a mental routine that you can undertake. And that can be done through prayer, meditation. Uh, but the underlying theme is it's with focus and reflection. And so you can obtain that in different ways. Some people feel more comfortable in obtaining it one way or the other. But but it's it's keeping that kind of focus and that kind of repetition that does work. I mean, there's a reason why when we look at um, 
uh, Catholic education system that's been around for almost 2,000 years, there's a lot of repetition in that. And the reason why is, is because it works. It works in the sense that it reinforces a method, it reinforces a sense of behavior. Uh, and so one could take that kind of process and apply that to all other kinds of things in your life if, as you try to reshape your reality, because a lot of your reality is based, again, on how you mentally experience. People can be in a physical surrounding that's wonderful, but if inside something is off, they won't be able to enjoy it. They won't, uh, they won't have that peace of mind. So how do you obtain that peace of mind? Well, you find a way to manipulate your mind by getting your mind into shape and push aside those negative thoughts. And, and you know, some of this, and this is where Ulf became a, a little bit of an American. He did become an American citizen, by the way. But, but the, one of the things that he really, really loved was the American holiday called Thanksgiving, and which is not really celebrated in any other. Can, the Canadians do it; it's slightly different. But you know, you don't find that in other countries. And what Ulf loved about Thanksgiving, without going into the details of what it is for your audience, but. It's this attitude of gratitude, being grateful, understanding what you have, taking stock in what you've accomplished and feel good about it mm. and, and understand that other people are grateful for you and other people depend on you. Other people look to you for help and understanding that they need your help. And by helping them, you can help yourself. And so Ulf uh, just, you know, he really, really, really loved Thanksgiving. And it was funny for me as an American watching a, a Swedish guy just, you know, take an American holiday and just and just run with it the way he did. He he loved I mean Thanksgiving became his favorite favorite holiday of the whole year. So uh because because it, it really, really touched upon the the principles of what he what he wrote about for so many years. And yeah, again, being grateful, but also, you know, part of being the optimist is having that sense of accomplishment and and valuing what you have and valuing what you what you can accomplish. Yeah, indeed. Now, we're going to take a break in just a moment. I just want to quote from the book yet again as we go to that break. Four wonderful words that anyone can uh, incorporate into their life today. Of course, you, oh, I encourage you to check out the book, of course, but they are love, serve, create, and enjoy. That's basically to sum up how you would enjoy every moment that you are awake and are breathing. What a way to be able to live your life. Uh, in With the book, Woody and Carl, believe in yourself. Tell yourself that you are already briskly walking more and smoking less, is what Carl says to Woody in the process of wanting to realise that he does need to take off some pounds. He's unhealthy. He's complaining of uh, of, of some uh, chest pains and overweight, can't see his feet, all of those things. His doctor says, you know, you're going to have your life cut short, etc. And he says, why do I have to repeat all of this, Carl? Well, since our extremely positive subconscious mind controls most of our actions, you must trick your subconscious mind which does not know the difference between reality and fantasy into agreeing that this is not change. It is what you've been doing all along. 
quite incredible. It is the ultimate power over yourself to achieve what you really want and not be dictated to by other influences that are influencing your subconscious. When we come back from the break, we're going to flick the switch and we're going to look into how it was that Woody taught Carl about the process of making money, because I'm sure that everyone watching and listening wants to know the other side of this great story. We'll be back with more here on Weekends with Jason Albert on TNT Radio in just a moment. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I really don't understand how this trial between Michael Mann and Mark Stein is continuing. And I don't know if Dr. Mann wanted to put his hockey stick on trial. There are so many holes in his argument. It is hard to believe. I don't even understand how people could have let that out without questioning it. And I've talked about this before. One of the biggest problems I have is he won't let anyone look at his data, at least no one that is skeptical of his data and that should raise red flags now i've talked about this many many times you can go and look at what the global temperature does when it's warm in the eastern and central part of the united states and warm across europe usually the global temperature is elevated now when it's cold in those areas believe it or not the global temperature is actually colder the problem with this whole hockey stick and the recreation of temperatures from pine cones is the areas he looks at and draws his ideas from are usually cold when the earth is warm. So he would not be able to detect that. He would not know that because he's not a meteorologist. If he was a meteorologist, would he know it? Of course he'd know it because we talk about this all the time. They're called teleconnections. So if I were in there talking about this, I'd be asking, where is your meteorology background and are you aware of this going on? But in any case, this whole hockey stick idea of temperature recreation looks to be more of a hokey stick to a lot of us out there. And the first red flag is you wouldn't let anyone look at your data. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. Weekends are better when you spend it with us. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to Weekends. My guest this hour, Dr. Josiah Baker, who's one half of the partnership that created the book called The Optimist with Ulf Sandstrom. And I encourage you to check the book out. You can have a look on Amazon, uh, look up The Optimist, Ulf, U-L-F, Sandstrom, or Josiah R. Baker, and you'll be able to locate that book because after this, you will no doubt be wanting to find out why it is that this crazy presenter here on TNT Radio is raving about this book. And it is just something that when you get a spark, you just want to share that spark with as many people as you can. And that's pretty much what we've been 
happening now for a long time as the world has changed before our very eyes since early 2020 when we realised that something just wasn't quite right and have been asking questions ever since. And it's one thing to be able to defend against the tyranny that's around us, but it's another way to live and succeed your way out of it. And for that, many people are always wondering, well, I could certainly use some more money to buy myself some more freedom and some more distance. And that's where this book takes a turn because self-help books don't normally explain how it is that you can create wealth through doing things that you want to do. And this is the second part of this great book. Now, now let me go back again and give you another quote from it. And I hope I'm not, uh, well, it's a 250 page book. So I'm reading a few uh, paragraphs here. So you're not getting the whole book. But anyway, it says, have you heard the expression that says the truth shall set you free? Well, the truth is all powerful. Follow what you know is true. For you, stealing a penny is a crime, but there are others who can't see what you see. Let them learn from you how valuable it is to work with someone who is always honest and truthful. I had to learn how to exhibit polite and kind behaviour, Carl, even when I didn't want to. As I did, so I began to value others who treated me the same. Eventually, I also had to admit that the truth always wins in the end. Defend the truth when it's in danger and your heart and mind will find purpose and peace knowing your life has been worthwhile. Goodness me, Josiah, they are wonderful words indeed. Yes, and and uh, if you follow the method, you will get success. And it's so many people have done this over the years. And as I mentioned before, in, in Sweden, it was very successful. Uh, getting this into the English language, getting this into a story based in English was a little bit of a challenge, but uh, getting back to money, and, and here I'm speaking a little bit as an economist, uh, you know, people, money represents value. Money works because it has a universal value. Everybody can use money in their own way as they choose. And I'll believe very much that one can use their time as they choose. And if you align your time and your energy and efforts, you will achieve things because you'll know what you can accomplish with the talents that you have as a way of knowing oneself is what the method helped you with. And so, uh, and by knowing yourself better, uh, you'll be able to serve your interests and the interests that you care, of those that you care about. So uh, this goes back also to positive reinforcement. Uh, if, you're, if you're good at doing something, keep doing it and you'll get better and better. Uh, you know, capitalize on your talents. And the idea that that um, you do this incrementally, all right? So you don't, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but if you work at it every single day, you get better and better and better and better. And sometimes I think of it kind of like sanding wood. The wood just gets smoother every time you go over it. And so wealth will come to you if you can align your talents with this incrementalist approach and just don't give up and just keep going. And um, also with the, with the money you earn, and so this is something I point out, and sometimes in my classes, there's income in it as well. Mm. There's a lot of people who can find a way to make a lot of income, but holding on to the money is a whole other story. Yes. So, so the money value 
is about, yeah, it's great to make more money, but what are you going to do with it? So you won this $100 million jackpot. Congratulations. What are you going to do with that $100 million? And it's a fun exercise, right? But if you mentally work it out, you can figure out, okay, where is the first million dollars going to go? Mm. And, and aligning, again, aligning your priorities with reflection, uh, you're going to get a better result. This kind of thoughtfulness. This, and and um, that's one of the key themes of the book, uh, of the eight magic words. You have the, the word think. Um, and sometimes there isn't enough thinking. Sometimes people just react. Um, we call this bounded rationality in economics when people buy things out of habit without really thinking through, is this really the best choice? Is this, you know, you're spending $1,000 on something. Is this really the best way to spend that $1,000? So uh, being economical is not about not spending money. It's about spending money efficiently mm. and, and, and in alignment with the values that you have. And all thoroughly believe that if you manipulated your mind to where different parts of your mind were in harmony, you could better understand what your own personal values are. Because not everybody wants the same thing with money. If, if you have $10 million and your brother has $10 million, you're going to spend money differently. You're going to value things differently. You're going to value how you spend your time differently. So, this approach not only works in helping you obtain your goal, but it helps people to personally define, customize their goals. Yes, so. indeed. That, I find that exactly right. And you can't write the success story for someone else. And that's why those eight key words on the uh, making money side were so powerful. And, and, and those words read as attitude, goals, repeat. It was interesting that the term repeat was one of the eight words. Prioritize, yeah. think, serve once again serve was in there honesty and gratitude uh, and mm -hmm. many people will resonate and go well i've heard all those words before but then again um it's like the tale of two cities all the all the words in there were all written before but of course it had never been told in the way that that was told and, and that's where we're going in this particular story but the way that the uh, novella is is written uh mm -hmm. an allegory to these um to these terms these words and put into real life examples because what happens mm -hmm. in this part of the story of course is that woody the billionaire says to uh carl who is recognized as as, as sort of fallen into a a bit of a depression and stagnation he says we're going to go on a trip to eight countries and in each of those countries you're going to learn what that word particularly means and the first one with attitude is when he arrives in bali of all places and realizes yeah. that he's seen something else and of course he's never traveled overseas before and this is part of this beautiful story that you experience now uh and and then then his mind opens up and of course he starts writing and then along the way of course, his dream is to open or to run the restaurant, that he, the cafe that he used to open and become the owner of it. But then he also realizes that perhaps he could write a book and tell this story. And this is the idea because uh, part of the story is that what he says, you need to become inspired. And of course, 
Carl becomes inspired in different ways as he's left alone to think about his thoughts and, and, and work out what it's meant to mean. But again, as you said, this incremental approach. But what a way mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking in this, because um, my family, we're trying to plan an overseas trip next year. And uh, mm-hmm. it was the one that sparked me and said, okay, now this is number one priority. No more mincing words, mucking around, we're going. Because it's the inspiration that you get when you see something that you've never seen before, working in ways you've never thought out of before that absolutely aligns with the things that you want to be able to achieve and do. And then you realize all of a sudden that the impossible has now become possible and a reality. And all you've got to do is, is, is make it your own. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and Ulf lived that way. Uh, time and time again, he would make these goals, visualize them uh, and go after them day after day and achieve them. That was explains why he was able to immigrate to the United States. He set up multiple businesses. He got through law school, became a practicing lawyer, um, on and on. Uh, and the the book, when you read the book, uh, yeah, everyone's heard all these words before, but it's the context in which how these words are used. Like honesty, there's it's important to be honest to other people for a lot of reasons, but it's also very important to be honest with yourself mm. and to be in, in contact with really, really be honest with what you believe and be honest with 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 what you value. And um, I think a lot of times people get caught up in maybe trying to please others to the point where they lose sight of what they believe themselves. And a lot of unhappiness can be attributed to um, people having a kind of imbalance and losing sight and and not applying the method. And so the method, of course, is is uh, is 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 just absolutely critical. But sorry, yeah. sorry to, to butt in there. I've heard of people saying the term that they're afraid of success. And I kind of used to go along with it, but I now think that after reading the book and our discussion today, I think it's perhaps more afraid of doing the work to create success because it's the work, the effort perhaps of trying to do something against the flow of the tide that may not necessarily guarantee a reward, uh, which is why people get quite nervous about it. But the idea again is that once you 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 reprogram your subconscious through methods that you're going to teach yourself through the guidance of the book, you can almost guarantee that there is success. And this is the point of the book, isn't it? That is, it is a way of guaranteeing your success simply by following the method. It's, um, you know, people say, oh, you can't guarantee the success. But the idea is that you start taking control and you remove the shackles of the negativity and all of the things that you start to recognize that are the bits that held you back in the first place. And therefore you get this road to recovery and therefore to your life's goals that becomes quite clear. Absolutely. Inertia is just this, it can, it's mighty powerful. It's an invisible wall and just getting, getting that out of the way. And yeah, that's what this book will teach you to do. Just amazing. Look, we're, we're almost at the end of the hour. Just quickly for perspective, if you don't mind, Josiah, could you tell us just one of the other books that you've written yourself that completely separates from, from the work that you've done here, maybe your most recent book? What was that about? Well, a book that's very different than this is I, I uh, co-authored another book called Religion, Politics, and Polarization. And this is how 
uh, in the United States, we have two very different visions of what America should be and could be. And this is most pronounced when you look at the differences, say, between Donald Trump and those who follow Donald Trump versus uh, uh, right now Joe Biden and those who support Joe Biden. The, the parties have been, have never been too so far apart in how they want to accomplish things. And the role of religion and religion, um, uh, that book in particular, we looked at how members of Congress voted on key issues with uh, with their religious affiliation. And we uncovered some really un unusual trends, uh, uh, but uh, indicating that explaining why we have this this these two visions of what America should be and and right now that polarization continues to be just as bad as it ever has been there's a lack of cooperation and there's a lot of discord in Washington right now people not agreeing and uh, to the point to where there is almost there is two Americas uh, with two different visions yeah yeah, indeed. Look, uh, Josiah Baker, thank you uh, so much for taking the time, especially at the late hour, that you're able to join us for this most important interview about this most incredible book that you're involved with. You can find The Optimist at uh, on Amazon.com. Look it up, Josiah Baker or Off Sandstrom, and it will take you right there. Pick it up. Great gift for one of your loved ones, for yourself. Get on with it and get going, and uh, you can also immediately change the rest of your life into what you've always dreamed to do. Josiah Baker, thanks for your time yet again. Uh, it's been a great delight and I hope that I can catch up with you again really soon. We're going to take a break and be back with more after the break here on TNT Radio.